President Trump and Governor DeSantis both have brilliant new commercials out. You know, Ron DeSantis is running for re-election for governor of Florida this November, and everybody expects President Trump to run again for president in uh, November 2024. I hope that the swing states get everything straightened out, but if he could get elected again, he would be only the second president ever to lose and then win again. Of course, we all know he didn't lose, but anyway, they stole it from him. Also, new details on a federal judge ruling in Trump's favor against the feds. We got the White House's latest lies about our border crisis, alarming news about the vaccines, and there was a prostitution sting recently in Florida, and the sheriff there, Polk County, Florida, did a press conference that is one for the ages. I've never heard anything like it. So we got all that coming up a lot more. It's Information Overload Wednesday on this edition of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 233 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Wednesday, September 7th, 2022. Now, just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that will live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you like to support what we do, Go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, we got this press conference coming up with Grady Judd. He's the uh, sheriff of Polk County, Florida, about a prostitution sting that they did. And it's very embarrassing, not not for the Polk County Sheriff's Department, but... um, they caught a cop. Yeah, they busted a cop. Not, not again. Not from. Well, Polk County, Florida is in, it's in between Orlando and Tampa. It's um, it's southwest of Orlando and a little bit northeast of uh, the Tampa St. Pete Bay area, Lakeland, Winter Haven. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. It's just remarkable listening to this guy talk. All right, our buddy Mike Davis was on the Ingram Angle with Laura Ingram and Charlie Hurt Tuesday evening. If you have not yet checked out episode 225 of the Doc Washburn Show, Mike Davis talking about the fact that whether they indict him or not, 
the DOJ and the FBI have nothing on this President Trump and explaining why they legally don't have a leg to stand on, you need to check out episode 225. Also, episode 220, when we had Jeff Clark, former assistant U.S. Attorney General on. Jeff Clark, the guy who's placed the uh, the feds rated six and a half weeks before they raided Mar-a-Lago. Um, he had a lot to say also about the Mar-a-Lago raid. So that's episode 220. Anyway, Laura Ingram on the Ingram Angle. Tuesday night, she said, joining me now, president of the Article 3 Project, former clerk to Justice Neil Gorsuch, Mike Adams, also Charlie Hurt, Washington Time opinion editor and Fox News contributor. She says, Mike, we're talking about tonight's leaks. In other words, there were some leaks in the news. Oh, 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 President Trump. Oh, there was some paperwork in there about the, uh, the nuclear program of another country. Oh, 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 you know, the kind of stuff you get on the Internet. But anyway, <laughs> she says, Mike, we're talking about tonight's leaks. Were these more of what we would expect, just kind of the DOJ's revenge or preemptive strike against a special master? And so Mike Davis's response went something like this. So this is part of a pattern of illegal leaks by the Biden Justice Department. They leaked out to Newsweek early on that Attorney General Merrick Garland did not personally approve this raid. That was a lie. They leaked out that Trump had America's nuclear documents. That was a lie. They leaked out that President Biden and the Biden White House did not have any involvement with this raid. That was a lie. We saw that Jonathan Sue, Deputy White House Counsel to President Biden, was President Trump's assertion of uh, executive privilege on behalf of President Biden. So it's just a series of lies and leaks. Remember Judge Cannon, when she ordered this special master, she talked about, quote, the swirling allegations of bias and media leaks. And that is exactly what continues tonight. It confirms why Judge Cannon was so right in appointing a special master here, because the Biden Justice Department knows that they're not going to win this case in a court of law, so they're going to try it in the court of public opinion. That guy, I have always been so impressed with Mike Davis. And it was such an honor, such a blessing to have him on my show recently. Again, that's episode 225 of the Doc Washburn Show. Okay, so Laura Ingram comes back, and she says, Now, in Judge Cannon's ruling on the special master appointment in a footnote, which footnotes are where all the good stuff is, by the way, The judge writes, when asked about the dissemination of the media of information relevant to the contents of the seized records, government's counsel stated that he had no knowledge of any leaks stemming from his team, but candidly acknowledged the unfortunate existence of leaks to the press. So Charlie it doesn't seem like they're really denying that leaks are occurring and they have to be coming from DOJ. Where else are they coming from? Okay, and then Charlie Hurt weighs in. Well, precisely, and I don't think that they could begin to try to deny it. And what we're seeing right now is a continuation of what President Trump 
saw from the moment he became a serious contender back in 2016, where you had the previous administration weaponize the FBI and the Department of Justice to begin going after Donald Trump in the extraordinary situation where you had a sitting administration spying on a the, the campaign and a candidate uh, of the opposition party that they were trying to keep from getting into the White House. And then even after Donald Trump won, there were meetings at the highest levels of the Obama administration to go after Donald Trump, meetings in the White House in which uh, uh, current President uh, Joe Biden participated. Um, and so this is just a continuation of this weaponization of DOJ, of the FBI, of every lever of power in Washington to go after a man that they uh, that they loathe, they despise, they will do anything to, to destroy him. I think the chances of them in, indicting him are very good, but it has nothing to do with building a case. It's all about putting together, it's just sliming him within an indictment that will cause American people to just sort of want to wash their hands and walk away because they know that he's uh, in all likelihood running again. And if he runs again, I think there's a good chance that he wins again. And, uh, and, and they, will do, they will stop at nothing this time to stop him. It's Charlie Hurt. And I think he's right. Boy, the DOJ and the FBI are just so hopelessly corrupt. I've said over and over again, I did a four-part series recently. A lot of evidence on why I believe the FBI needs to be dismantled. Dismantled. Needs to be replaced with something else. I don't know what. But I do know what kind of person I would want to lead it. And, you know, I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but it's, it's got to be dismantled. It's just, you know, the FBI is not supposed to be the uh, praetorian guard for, like, the president of the United States. You know, something I found out, um, the Watergate hearings, they did those when I was in high school, and we would, instead of going to the cafeteria, we would bring our lunch from home so we could run down to homeroom and watch the Watergate hearings on TV. Can you imagine high school kids these days watching some kind of congressional hearing? But we did. And I didn't find out till many years later, just a few years ago, that Republicans on the committee wanted to check out not just um, – Not just Nixon and Watergate, they wanted to check out the Democrats' dirty tricks. Like President Johnson uh, bugging Nixon and, and bugging Goldwater four years earlier. And Senator Sam Irvin, the Watergate committee, is like, eh, no way, man. No, we're not going to do that. This is a very narrowly tailored. Just going to look at the Watergate break in. Did you know that there were dirty tricks that the Democrats did in 64 and 68? LBJ bugged Barry Goldwater's phones in 64 and Richard Nixon's phones in 68. I, I didn't know that until just recently. Anyway, let, let me get back to this. Let me get back to this. I digress. Laura Ingram says about Biden's DOJ, 
Well, they're certainly not acting confidently. If you're confident that your agenda is delivering for the American people, you don't have to resort to these desperate measures. Mike, the former Trump chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, was on CNN just a few moments ago. And he offered a theory about why these documents might have been taken by Trump to Mar-a-Lago. So watch this. Here's Mick Mulvaney. What's the one thing that Donald Trump might take with him or might keep even after he's asked to get him back? It's stuff, for example, that might make him look good, stuff that might clear his name under that crossfire hurricane 2016 investigation into his, uh, his presidential campaign. If it exonerated him from what he considers to be and what I consider to be the 2016 Russia hoax, that explains why he might have kept it. It's not stuff that he's going to sell. It's not stuff that benefits other countries. It's stuff that may clear his name. Uh Uh-huh. So Laura Ingram says, Mike, your your response to that, do you agree? Here's Mike Davis. I agree, and I think the president has the absolute constitutional power as commander-in-chief to declassify anything he wants. He absolutely declassified these Russian collusion crossfire hurricane records as evidenced by his January 19th, 2021 declassification memo. He has the absolute statutory power under the Presidential Records Act to keep these presidential records at Mar-a-Lago, and that was the point of this raid. I think the Biden, Obama, Hillary, Susan Rice, Clapper, Brennan, FBI intel regimes know that these Russian collusion documents are damning, damning for them, and that was why they had to go get these back at all costs. Ah. You know what? I think he's right. I think that is exactly what's going on. Now, let me... um. Before we get these great new ads that Trump and DeSantis both have laid out there, I got to share with you something. The great Margot Cleveland wrote over at thefederalist.com. She is their senior legal correspondent. And she's also a contributor to National Review, the Washington, the Washington Examiner, townhall.com. She's been published in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today. She's a lawyer, graduate of Notre Dame Law School. Served for almost 25 years as a permanent law clerk for a federal appellate judge in the Seventh Circuit. So she's really sharp, okay? Not like yours truly. She's really sharp. And the Federalist.com is blessed to have her, frankly. So our article, which came out Tuesday, is entitled Special Master Order Reveals Biden's Direct Involvement in Trump Raid and Six Other Bombshells. Subtitle, The Federal Judge's 24-Page Order Further Calls into Question the DOJ's Targeting of Trump. And she says, A federal judge on Monday granted former President Donald Trump's request for the appointment of a special master to review the documents seized by the FBI during a raid on his Mar-a-Lago home last month. Presiding Judge 
Eileen Cannon, a Trump appointee, further held that the Department of Justice cannot review or use for criminal investigative purposes any material seized pending the review process. Besides handing Trump a victory in his battle for some oversight of the Biden administration's digging into his documents, Judge Cannon highlighted several significant facts over the course of her 24-page order that further call into question the DOJ's targeting of Trump. So here are the seven top-line takeaways. Number one, Biden was directly involved. Oh, yeah. In the order granting Trump's request for the appointment of a special master, Judge Cannon began by providing a summary of the backdrop that led to the search throughout 2021. Trump, the National Archives and Records Administration, otherwise known as NARA, engaged in conversations concerning records from Trump's time in office, according to the court. Those discussions resulted in Trump in January 2022 transferring 15 boxes from Mar-a-Lago to NARA. NARA subsequently informed the Department of Justice that some items in the boxes contained markings of classified national security information. So... Following the archives' outreach to the Justice Department, NARA notified Trump April 12, 2022, that it intended to provide the 15 boxes to the FBI. Trump's attorney sought a delay in the transfer to assess whether any documents contained privileged information. to assess whether any documents contained privileged material. But then, as Judge Cannon wrote after obtaining a short delay on May 10th, 2022, NARA informed Trump it would proceed with providing the FBI access to the records in question as requested by the incumbent president beginning as early as Thursday, May 12th, 2022, like two days later, because Biden wanted him to. That's what they said. Now, in including this quote in her order, Judge Cannon cited the letter that the NARA's acting archivist sent to Trump's lawyer. That letter explained that Biden had decided to defer to the archivist's determination in consultation with the Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Legal Counsel regarding whether or not the archivist should uphold the former president's purported protective assertion of executive privilege. Acting archivist Deborah Stidell Wall then explained in the letter that based on her consultation with the Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Legal Counsel, she had decided not to honor Trump's claim of privilege. While the media has previously highlighted those aspects of the letter, Monday's order highlighted a key sentence in that same letter that went less noticed by the press, and that is this sentence. NARA 
will provide the FBI access to the records in question as requested by the incumbent president. Now, this language indicates that Biden did not merely defer to the NARA, but asked the NARA to give the documents to the FBI. Of course, deferring to the NARA's judgment equated to Biden authorizing the handoff to the FBI, but this passage suggests a more direct connection between Biden and the investigation into Trump. Why am I not surprised? Number two, timeline of the Trump targeting is suspect. A second significant detail Revealed by Monday's order concerns the timeline of events which the court exposed by providing a clear chronology. On May 10th, 2022, the archivist informed Trump's lawyers that the NARA will provide the FBI access to the records in question as requested by the incumbent president beginning as early as Thursday, May 12th, 2022. And on May 11th, 2022, before the DOJ received possession of the 15 boxes from NARA, the DOJ obtained a grand jury subpoena for any and all documents or writings in the custody or control of Donald J. Trump and or the office of Donald J. Trump bearing classification markings. But why would the DOJ seek a grand jury subpoena for any and all documents in Trump's possession bearing classification markings before reviewing the material provided by the NARA. And given that the DOJ obtained the subpoena the day after the NARA told Trump's lawyer, the incumbent president had requested the archive provide the documents to the FBI, one must ask, did Biden direct the DOJ to obtain the grand jury subpoena? Number three, not so fast, Joe. Trump's executive privilege can't be so quickly sidestepped. Another important detail from Monday's order concerned the court's handling of Trump's request for a review of the seized material to address issues of executive privilege. In opposing Trump's request for a special master, the Biden administration argued that Trump lacked the right to assert executive privilege against the current executive branch. The court concluded that the Biden administration's position arguably overstates the law, noting that the Supreme Court has not ruled out the possibility of a former president overcoming an incumbent president on executive privilege matters. Judge Cannon continued further. Just this year, the Supreme Court noted that at least in connection with a congressional investigation, The questions whether and in what circumstances a former president may obtain a court order preventing disclosure of privileged records from his tenure in office in the face of a determination by the incumbent president to waive the privilege are unprecedented and raise serious and substantial concerns. So, to protect former President Trump's ability to raise a question of executive privilege then, the court concluded a special master should review the documents and make an initial assessment. This analysis tees up the possibility that Trump 
will later assert executive privilege, prompting a showdown with the Biden administration. Number four. Members of the investigative team saw confidential attorney-client documents. While the Biden administration had not reviewed the seized documents to assess any potential executive privilege concerns, a privilege review team had screened the material to determine if it is protected by attorney-client privilege because it had already screened the material. The government objected to the appointment of a special master to conduct another round of screening, arguing, in essence, that such screening would be unnecessary. Well, in rejecting the government's argument, Judge Cannon said the court takes a different view on this record. The court then stressed that the evidence suggests the privilege review team's initial screening for potentially privileged material was faulty. Here's what Judge Cannon said in her ruling. She said, The privilege review team's report references at least two instances in which members of the investigative team were exposed to material that was then delivered to the privilege review team and following another review, designated as potentially privileged material. Those instances alone, even if entirely inadvertent, yield questions about the adequacy of the filter review process. Now, the federal judge further expressed concern about the fact that the filter review team's report does not indicate that any steps were taken after these instances of exposure to wall off the two tainted members of the investigation team, with the tainted members being the ones who had seen the material presumed protected by attorney-client privilege. While a special master cannot address the issue of the tainted members on the investigative team, the court's highlighting of the problem will likely push the DOJ to keep those agents away from any related parts of the investigation. Oh, I bet not. I bet not. Not unless they're forced to. I mean, God bless you, Margot Cleveland. You're a lot sharper than I am. But not unless they're forced to. Anyway, she continues... But what the special master can do is review the documents and determine if others were protected by attorney-client privilege. If so, the DOJ will have bigger problems. Number five, DOJ seized a lot of personal material. Another revelation from Monday's order concerned the amount of personal material the FBI seized. In her ruling, Judge Cannon wrote, the government's inventory reflects a seizure of approximately 11,000 documents, 
and 1,800 other items from plaintiff's residence. Of the material seized, the court said approximately 100 documents contained classification markings. But the FBI also seized some 500 pages of material, potentially protected by attorney-client privilege, medical documents, correspondence related to taxes, and accounting information. Oh, I wonder who all that has already been leaked to. Don't put it past them. Do not put it past them. Furthermore, as the court noted, the government also has acknowledged that it seized some personal effects without evidentiary value. And some of the seized items, like articles of clothing, were readily identifiable as personal property. The FBI had also seized three of Trump's passports, but those items have already been returned to the former president. Now, you're going to try to tell me that it's just the leadership of the FBI that's corrupt, not the agents. Why were they taking clothing? Anyway, the article continues that the FBI seized Trump's passports, articles of clothing, medical records, and accounting and tax documents during the raid of Mar-a-Lago highlights both the breadth and lack of particularity of the search warrant and the potential for the Biden administration to use the search as a fishing expedition. Y'all think? Number six. FBI suggested Trump committed a crime by returning a torn-up document to the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA. So this sixth revelation came not directly from the court's opinion, but from the government filings referenced in Monday's order, and specifically the DOJ's response brief in opposition to Trump's request for the appointment of a special master. In its response brief, the government wrote that on February 9th, 2022, the special agent in charge of NARA's office of the Inspector General made a referral of Trump to the DOJ. The government further explained that the NARA referral was made on two bases, evidence that classified records had been stored at the premises until mid-January 22, and evidence that certain pages of presidential records had been torn up. Related to the second concern, the NARA referral included a citation to 18 U.S. Code 2071. Now then, this passage proves intriguing for two reasons. First, it appears the special agent in charge made a criminal referral of the former president because documents Trump had returned to the archivist had been torn up at some point. This reference screams witch hunt which leads to the second point. The unredacted portions of the search warrant affidavit omit any reference to torn documents. Rather, the unredacted portions of the search warrant affidavit speak of the government conducting a criminal investigation 
concerning the improper removal and storage of classified information in unauthorized spaces, as well as the unlawful concealment or removal of government records. The affidavit continues by noting that the investigation began as a result of a referral the United States National Archives and Records Administration, or NARA, sent to the United States Department of Justice on February 9, 2022, which were reported by NARA to contain, among other things, highly classified documents intermingled with other records. Now, none of the unsealed portions of the affidavit referenced the second basis for the referral, that Trump returned torn documents. Maybe such references were blacked out, but if so, the DOJ lacked a solid reason for the redactions given they revealed the same facts in the briefing. Or maybe the DOJ realized that using torn documents as a pretext to search the home of a former president would paint the raid as political because it sure does make the special agent in charge's referral look political. Now, wait, wait, wait. She brings up the special agent in charge. That would have to be Dan Tuono, right? No, 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 no. Think about it. Stephen Dan Tuono, special agent in charge of the Washington, D.C. field office. No, they didn't raid Mar-a-Lago with FBI agents from South Florida. Oh, no, 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 no. They sent guys from the Washington, D.C. field office, the same field office that oversaw the January 6th Fedsurrection. Not insurrection, Fedsurrection. Stephen Antuono, before he was in charge of the D.C. field office, was in charge of the Detroit field office, which did the kidnapping hoax of Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. You know... I wish more people paid attention to this stuff. Rico. Let's uh let's look up Rico real quickly before I get to the last point. Yeah, Rico is the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. U.S. federal law that provides for extended criminal penalties and a civil cause of action for acts performed as part of an ongoing criminal organization. And you know, there has been an ongoing criminal organization since 2015, starting with uh, Hillary and the DNC and Crossfire Hurricane and Perkins Coy and Fusion GPS and the Steel Dossier and all that stuff, all that stuff, and it's still going on. And this is part of it, in my humble opinion, and you're entitled to it. Anyway, number seven, the last bombshell from Margot Cleveland's article on thefederalist.com, which came out Tuesday, number seven. Leaks look bad, too. Oh, yes. She says, in granting Trump's request for the appointment of a special master 
Judge Cannon stressed that the special master would help maintain institutional trust in a case heavily politicized. She further noted that a special master would serve to ensure the integrity of an orderly process amidst swirling allegations of bias and media leaks. Now here the court noted that when asked about the dissemination to the media of information relative to the contents of the seized records, government's counsel stated that he had no knowledge of any leaks stemming from his team, but candidly acknowledged the unfortunate existence of leaks to the press. Yeah. Sounds like what Laura Ingram was talking about on the Ingram angle a little bit earlier when she had Mike Adams and Charlie Hurd on. Margot Cleveland said, those unfortunate leaks provide further proof of the politicization of this entire affair. In three weeks' time, Mar-a-Lago has sprung more leaks than have escaped from special counsel John Durham's team over three years. And while the special master may not be able to silence the deep state leakers, he or she will provide a check to the Biden administration. But first, the parties must, as the court put it, meaningfully confer and then submit a joint filing to the court of a list of proposed special master candidates and a detailed proposal of the master's duties, limitations, and ability to speak privately with Trump and the government and other logistical information. Oh, so... The judge is ordering the uh, the DOJ to cooperate with Trump's lawyers, the same DOJ which sent FBI agents and ransacked Trump's place for, what, eight or nine hours and wouldn't even let Trump's attorneys witness what they were doing? That DOJ? Well, this could get pretty interesting. Anyway, uh, that is Margot Cleveland, TheFederalist.com, an article I commend to you entitled Special Master Order Reveals Biden's Direct Involvement in Trump Raid and Six Other Bombshells. Yeah. Um, I, I think that is probably the most thorough explanation I've seen. Well, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, legal Insurrection had a really long article about it, but it got so far down into the weeds, I was just like, yeah, um, this is probably going to be too much. But, I mean, now, if you're an attorney, because I know attorneys listen to Doc Washburn's show, um, you, you know, you could do worse than go over to legal insurrection. Um, they have a lot of good stuff. But, you know, it, it just, yeah, they got an article entitled Judge Appoints Special Master Temporarily Bars FBI DOJ Review or Use of Records Seized in Mar-a-Lago Raid. William A. Jacobson, really sharp legal mind over legal insurrection. But what Margot Cleveland does at thefederalist.com is she has these bombshells, and one of them is that Biden specifically and directly requested this operation. And so they've just been lying. They've just been lying. 
Oh, no, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't know, know anything about it. You're right. Coming up, we have a remarkable press conference from the um, sheriff of Polk County, Florida, about a prostitution sting. It's just amazing. Got some new, very troubling stuff going on with the vaccines. Um, very troubling updates about the crisis at the border also. In the meantime, can't thank you enough to our advertisers, our friends, for making it possible for us to do what we do here five times a week on the Doc Washburn Show. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there. And there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501 501- 303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, 
docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Thank you once again to Jonathan Presswood, our friend with Edward Jones Financial Advisors, and Mitch Ward, our friend with RedRiverYourWay.com. We really appreciate you guys making it possible for us to do what we do here on a regular basis. All right, before I go on to the crazy stuff going on with this uh, press conference with this sheriff in Florida, crazy developments with the vaccines, with the border crisis, let me give you a little bit of good stuff, okay? And both of these are visual mediums. I hope you get it in the audio. I hope you can visualize these two commercials. And I would recommend that you find them online. Governor DeSantis has a great commercial out for his re-election. Governor of Florida this November. President Donald J. Trump also has a great commercial out. He is widely believed to be planning to run for president again. So first, here's President Trump's commercial. We are a nation in decline. We are a failing nation. that has the highest inflation in over 40 years, where the stock market just finished the worst first half of a year in more than five decades. We are a nation that has the highest energy costs in its history, and we are no longer energy independent or energy dominant, which we were just two short years ago. We are a nation that is begging Venezuela and Saudi Arabia for oil. We are a nation that surrendered in Afghanistan, leaving behind dead soldiers and American citizens and $85 billion worth of the finest military equipment in the world. We are a nation that allowed Russia to devastate a country, Ukraine, killing hundreds of thousands of people, and it will only get worse. We are a nation that has weaponized its law enforcement against the opposing political party like never before. We've never seen anything like this. We are a nation that no longer has a free and fair press. Fake news is about all you get. We are a nation where free speech is no longer allowed, where crime is rampant like never before, where the economy has been collapsing, where more people died of COVID in 2021 than in 2020. We are a nation that is allowing Iran to build a massive nuclear weapon and China to use the trillions and trillions of dollars it's taken from the United States to build a military to rival our own. We are a nation that over the past two years is no longer respected or listened to all around the world. And we are a nation that is hostile to liberty and freedom and faith. 
We are a nation whose economy is floundering, whose stores are not stocked, whose deliveries are not coming, and whose educational system is ranked at the bottom of every list. We are a nation that in many ways has become a joke. But soon we will have greatness again. It was hardworking patriots like you who built this country, and it is hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country. There is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot meet. There is no victory we cannot have. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield ever, ever, ever. We will never give in. We will never give up. And we will never, ever back down. We will never let you down. As long as we are confident and united, the tyrants we are fighting do not stand even a little chance. Because we are Americans, and Americans kneel to God and God alone. And it is time to start talking about greatness for our country again. Wow. Wow. A lot of thunder and lightning there at the start. Uh, A lot of rain. I don't know if you could make that out or not, but... um, at the end, there's a message, something to the effect of hang in there, help is on the way. What a, uh, what a remarkable message. You got to see the video. You got to see the video. Ron DeSantis, running for re-election, state of Florida, also has a new commercial out. Um, he is being challenged. The Democrat nominee is Charlie Crist, a former governor who used to be a Republican in name only. But DeSantis is the real deal. Ladies and gentlemen, Governor Ron DeSantis. Today we deliver for the people of Florida yet again. We saved our jobs. And kept us going. They tried to shut us down, but you saved our business. Thousand dollar bonuses. You had our backs. And honored our service. You led by facts, not fear. And you let us decide. You let me go to school. You gave me a voice. You put us first. And didn't let them keep us apart. You let us learn. You let us compete. I love us. You protected our right to worship together in person. And you raised our pay. You protected our waters. And kept Florida beautiful. When they attacked you, you didn't cave. You stood strong for Florida. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Governor. Gracias, Governor DeSantis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Governor DeSantis. Wow. Uh, Sorry, I uh, must have gotten something in my eyes. Um, okay. So moving right along, let me, uh, let me share with you, you know, I've told you many times, unless you're listening to the Doc Washman show for the first time, and then that would be, this would be the first time. But um, 
I've told you many times that uh, to work for the Biden administration, you have to know how to lie straight face and go to bed with no qualms and sleep like a baby. You have to be comfortable in the con, right? You got to be a complete and total con artist. Okay, now why am I saying that? Well, because from time to time, we um, have to deal with Karine Jean-Pierre. who is the White House press secretary. And I got to tell you, she is a piece of work. So I don't know if you heard or not, but uh, Peter Ducey, asked her about this whole idea of um, doubting elections. Okay? Because, see, she was an election denier at one time. Oh, yes, children. She was an election denier. So, Peter Ducey kind of wanted to drill down on that, you know? Like, why is it okay for her to question the 2016, but not okay for others to question the 2020, right? So anyway, um, what we're going to do is get into that. But first, again, I just want to say thank you very much to our advertisers, our friends, for making it possible for us to do what we do here. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system. 
reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thank you so much. Our advertisers, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree, the doctors at the Arkansas Cervical Center. They are my doctors, my friends, and I really appreciate you all making this possible. All right, so, Corrine Jean-Pierre, White House Press Secretary. So, you have any idea what she did before getting into the Biden administration? Well, she worked for something called um, MoveOn.org. Real far-left political organization. And uh, just, just file that away for a minute because... We're going to deal here with uh, her lies about the border. Now, we already played for you recently her telling Peter Ducey of Fox News that people don't just walk across the border. Remember that? They don't just walk across the border. And Peter Ducey said, well, of course they do. That's exactly what they do. Okay? So now he's coming back, coming back for more, And it goes something like this. Follow up about the MAGA Republican attention. So if we're all in agreement that it is incorrect to say the 2020 election was stolen, what about the 2016 election? Look, I'm not going to go back to where we were or what happened in 2016. We're going to focus on the here and now. We're going to focus on what's happening today, uh, this inflection point that the president pointed out uh, very clearly, very decisively uh, in, in a few speeches about what the country needs to do at this time to bring the country together. And he believes that's where majority of Americans are when it comes to protecting our democracy, when it comes to We're not a democracy. We're a representative republic. Protecting our rights and when it comes to protecting our freedoms. That's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to focus on, on where we are today. In other words, I don't have a leg to stand on. You got me dead to rights and I'm trying to deflect. 
Just in trying to understand the new attention on the MAGA Republicans, you tweeted in 2016 oh, Trump stole the election. You I tweeted. was waiting, Peter, when you were going to ask me that question. Now, she will criticize him for interrupting her, but she can just run right over him. Well, okay, here we go. You tweeted Trump stole an election. You tweeted Brian Kemp stole an election. That would be the governor of Georgia over Stacey Abrams, Brian Kemp. If denying election results is extreme now, yeah. why So let's, let's be... Again, she won't even let him finish the question because she can't answer it. So let's let's be really clear that that comparison that you made is just ridiculous. You know, she's got no answer. She's going to try to deflect and change the subject. That comparison you made is ridiculous. No, it's not. If it was ridiculous, you could explain how it's ridiculous. I have been. I have been. Well, you're asking me. You're asking me a question. Let me answer it. And you said ridiculous. I was. I was talking specifically at that time of what was happening with voting rights, which were being protected. See, the rights of actual citizens of the United States were being protected by keeping people who weren't citizens from voting and keeping people from voting more than once and keeping dead people from voting. But that makes life difficult for Democrats. So they lie. They accuse you of doing what they do. And the, what was in danger of voting rights? That's what I- No. No, you weren't talking about voting rights. You're saying Trump stole the election and Governor Kemp stole the election. I was speaking to at the time. And you're still lying. And here's the thing. I have said Governor Kemp won the election in Georgia. I've been clear about that. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think you walked it back at all. Uh, I have said President Trump won the election of 2016. Where? When? And I've been clear about that. What we are talking about right now is, let's not forget what happened on January 6, 2021, when we saw an insurrection, a mob that was incited. Um, by Capitol Hill police officers shooting tear gas canisters and flashbang grenades at them. Yeah, that, that'll incite a mob. They were peaceful until they were attacked. But she doesn't want you to know that. Neither do Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell, or they would release the 14,000 hours of closed-circuit TV video, but they won't. By the person who uh, occupied this campus, this facility. He didn't instigate anything, and she knows he didn't. He called for peaceful protest. At that time, and it was an attack on our democracy. Let's not... We don't have a democracy. We have a representative republic. Our founders didn't want a democracy because they knew that would be mob rule. They wanted to protect. They wanted to protect the rights of the minorities. But she doesn't care. She gets paid to lie. Wait until I tell you something she tweeted out a few years ago. Forget people died that day. Yeah, Trump supporters were murdered that day. No cops. But you'll keep lying, just like lying Biden, right? Law enforcement were attacked that day. How many of them were attacked by federal agents? The FBI won't say. 
That was the danger that we were seeing at the time. That's what the president has called out. Actually, dirty Capitol Hill cops were attacking Trump supporters. Right? Michael Byrd murdered Ashley Babbitt. And Capitol Hill cops were beating women senseless. But hey, you do you. And that's what he's going to continue to call out. So, yes, when you have MAGA Republicans, a extreme part of Republicans who for, who just deny or do not want to uh, uh, really say what exactly happened on that day. or Oh, we say it, but you don't like it. Say it was a protest when it clearly was not a peaceful protest. That's not what we saw on that day. Yes, the president is going to call that out. And here's the thing. Majority of Americans agree with him. Majority of Americans agree with this president on protecting our democracy, protecting our freedom, and protecting our rights. That's what we're talking about today, and that's what the president's going to focus on. All right, we're going to have to move. Because I can't defend the fact that I said 2016 was stolen from Hillary and 2018 was stolen from Stacey Abrams. So we're going to have to move along. But you know what? This uh, this Peter Ducey guy, he is uh, steadfast. He doesn't give up. He keeps going. He'll come back for more. And that's great because, you know, it couldn't happen to a nicer gal than Corrine Jean-Pierre. It just couldn't happen to a more deserving person. She gets paid to lie. So anyway, um, let's see. What I want to do, I want to get to the whole thing about the border because uh, Ted Cruz uh, challenged her. Uh, you know, when she said that uh, people don't just walk across the border, which, of course, obviously they do. Obviously, they do. So, Ted Cruz challenged Karine Jean-Pierre. Let's see, I gotta, I got to get this tweet up. That um, oh, did I already open it? Okay, all right, good, good. Um, I Ted Cruz challenged Karine Jean Pierre, and it was a beautiful thing. And again, she asked for it by saying people were not just um. Walking over the border. Here's Ted Cruz. We saw Corrine Jean-Pierre stand up and say, people are not crossing the border. They're not walking across the border. Listen, we're used to flax spinning. This was a flat-out lie. It's an objective lie. It is 100% false. I invited her to come down to the border and see it, and her response was, I don't need to be lectured by Republican senators. I'll tell you what. I'm going to give a challenge to Corrine Jean-Pierre right now. Come to this border, spend 60 minutes, one hour, with me and the Border Patrol Union. We will encounter dozens, if not hundreds, of illegal immigrants coming across. And if we don't, let's bring the entire White House press corps and one of two things will happen. If we don't encounter anyone, 
I'll stand up and say I was wrong. But when we encounter hundreds of people crossing, do you have the courage and integrity to stand in front of the press corps you're lying to and say, I lied to you? That's what an honest White House press secretary would say. And at the end of the day, when she lies, it's not just her. It's Joe Biden who is paying her to lie, and it's every one of the docile corporate media that roll over. If every single fact checker doesn't say pants on fire, they're complicit in the lie. Okay, so that was uh, Ted Cruz on uh, Fox News with Sean. And uh, I, I can't believe Sean didn't interrupt him, but, you know, every once in a while, the wonders never cease. Um, so. Karine Jean-Pierre saying she doesn't need to be lectured by Ted Cruz. Has uh, publicly invited, suggested that you come down to see that for yourself. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. He's, he's suggested that you come down and see for yourself whether migrants are actually crossing the border by foot. Um, is that something that you would take him up on? So I've been to the border. I went in 2018. Uh, I stood outside facilities where the Trump administration was separating families, uh, tearing babies out of their mother's arms. Uh, some of those kids still haven't been uh, reunited with their families. And so one thing I, I will say is I certainly don't need lectures uh, or invitations from Republicans about the border or uh, border policies. And, um, you know, and I certainly won't take advice on border from from anyone who voted uh, against uh, securing record level of funding uh, for the Department of uh, Homeland Security. And, uh, and, you know, and while folks are sending invites, I'll use this opportunity to to invite him or anyone else uh, next time to vote for record funding uh, for DHS as President Biden has uh, has requested. Yeah. Yeah, the answer is always to increase the debt. Record funding. Yeah, sure. The answer is always to throw in some more pork. So I found it hard to believe that she had actually been to the border in 2018 or any other time. So I did some research. Because I got nothing but time. I'm not like you. I don't have a life. I just do research and show prep 24-7. And I found evidence that in the summer of 2018, she went on an MSNBC show called All In with Chris Hayes and claimed that she had been to the border. But, I mean, that's the closest I could get. You know, she was very active on uh, on Twitter, and she would quote people talking about the border, right? She would quote news organizations talking about the border. But I couldn't find anything on her Twitter feed showing like, okay, well, here's a picture of me at the border. Right? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, it was weird. I've seen pictures of uh, AOC, you know, 
Some liberal Democrats have been to the border. AOC uh, doing the big old crocodile tears there at the offense. But nothing. There's no evidence that Karine Jean-Pierre ever went to the border. There is a lot of evidence that she likes to lie. Now, um, let me tell you what she said July 13th, 2018, 9.30 in the morning when she was working for MoveOn.org. On her Twitter, she said, This is Rich. Donald Trump put in place a ban against Muslims and he ripped apart babies, toddlers, kids from their parents at the border. Now he has the audacity to cry about how the giant, angry, orange Trump baby balloon makes him feel unwelcome. Cry me a river. Okay, let's deal with this. As she full well knows, Donald Trump never put in place a ban against Muslims. That is an outright lie. What he did do is restrict travel from countries that tend to produce terrorists. Some of those countries are Muslim. Some of those countries weren't Muslim. The most populous Muslim country in the world, Indonesia, was not on the list. So flat-out lie, but that's okay. She and her domestic partner, Suzanne Malvo of CNN, no problem. No problem. Um, let's see. He ripped apart babies, toddlers, kids from their parents at the border. Now, ripping apart babies is what your friends at Planned Parenthood do. Ripped apart babies, toddlers, kids from their parents? No, no, no. Ripping apart babies is what the abortionists do. Karine Jean-Pierre doesn't want you to know there are human traffickers at the border and that President Trump wanted to make sure that small children or any children weren't being trafficked by traffickers. Okay, now wait a minute. Um, are we sure these kids, are, are, are we sure that these are their parents or somebody else? If you've ever seen video of people bringing little children across the border who appear to be drugged, it's horrifying. But Karine Jean-Pierre wants you to think that mean old orange man bad Donald Trump was just trying to rip apart babies from their parents. What an odd choice of words, ripped apart babies. Anyway, that's who we're dealing with here, just so you know. That is who we're dealing with here. All right. Now, having said that, well, no, I just... I just wanted you to know what the, what the score was, what she's willing to do, what she's willing to say. 
You know, it's outrageous. So anyway, um, on the uh, Mornings with Maria show on the Fox Business Network, that's Maria Bartiromo's show. Now, she does a Sunday show on Fox News Channel, but she does a regular morning show on the Fox Business Network. And I guess I guess she was uh, she was on vacation because there was uh, someone filling in for her. Jackie DeAngelis from the Fox Business Network was filling in for Maria Bartiromo. And they did a segment about the border crisis. So Jackie DeAngelis says, Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz is blaming Biden's border policies for the surge in illegal migrants crossing the southern border under oath in a recorded deposition. So listen to this. Would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that the southern border is currently in crisis? Objection. Yes. When President Biden was elected, did the number of aliens trying to illegally enter the United States increase or decrease? Objection. Increase. If you don't have consequences, what is likely going to happen? In my experience, we have seen increases uh, when there are no consequences. Is the crisis that is currently ongoing at the southern border um, making the border less safe for Americans and aliens alike? Objection. Yes. Now, the interesting thing, Raul Ortiz became the 25th chief of the United States Border Patrol August 15th, 2021. So, so this is a guy appointed by Biden talking about what a lousy job Biden's doing. Got it? Over 30 years of law enforcement experience Been working down on the border for a long time. I mean, I'm surprised he wasn't fired. But anyway, so Jackie DeAngelis on Fox Business Network says, all right, this is as the White House is claiming illegal immigrants are not just walking across the southern border. Joining us now, Texas Department of Public Safety, Lieutenant Christopher Oliveras. She says that was powerful testimony. Obviously, we have seen an increase in illegal migrants coming across the border since Biden has been in office and it's really causing a problem in this country. It is a humanitarian crisis, and it's overrunning Customs and Border Patrol as well. Your thoughts on the administration, Karine Jean-Pierre, 
is trying to spin this by saying, oh, no, this is very different. They're not just walking across. They're not just coming in with COVID. They're not doing all of these things that they're doing. So Texas Department of Public Safety Lieutenant Christopher Oliveras responds. Right, Jackie. So good morning, and uh, it's great to be with you. So, of course, we heard it directly, you know, from the Border Patrol chief himself about what's taking place along our border and the fact that the reason why we're seeing such an unprecedented number of illegal immigrants coming across our borders is because there's no consequences. And we've known that from the very beginning. We've been talking about that from the very beginning, how the federal government has not uh, taken any action to secure the border. They have completely dismantled every single policy that was working, that was effective, that was slowed down uh, mass migration prior to 2020. Uh, they completely dismantled and, and stopped the construction of the border wall. Every tool that was valuable and, and ne- necessary for law enforcement to do its job to secure the border. But again, we're seeing the complete opposite. And you heard it directly again from the chief of Border Patrol. He said it himself that there's the reason why we're seeing this this influx is because there's no consequences. And unfortunately, we're going to continue seeing the numbers escalate. We've been seeing that from 2021, how the numbers continue to escalate in terms of mass migration, unaccompanied children, the gotaways, drugs that are coming across our border fentanyl also suspected terrorists that are coming across our borders as well so yeah. and then of course going back to what the press secretary mentioned as far as these immigrants are not walking across the border well the video you just showed earlier just clearly show that immigrants are clearly walking across right. the border they are clearly walking across that river to enter the united states so i don't know how exactly how uh, she could actually say that they're not walking across the border so well, that's just a completely false statements to tell the american people so she comes back and says look They are seeing the same pictures we are seeing. Jackie DeAngelis, Fox Business Network. They're seeing the same pictures we're seeing. One can only assume that the policies and allowing this to go on are intentional. Meantime, I'm glad that you brought up the drug issue because the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, DEA, is warning rainbow fentanyl is this new trend. It's being used by the drug cartels to drive addiction in young people. I mean, you literally see a picture here. She's showing the picture on the screen. She says they're making it look like candy. It's colored like candy. Fentanyl seizures at the southern border skyrocketing in July, 202% month over month. She says, Lieutenant, the two main cartels that are mass-producing fentanyl so applying it to the United States, your thoughts when you hear the stories of the parents that come on Fox News and talk about their kids taking what they believe to be a Xanax or Percocet, and they die from a fentanyl overdose or poisoning. And here's Christopher Olivares. Right, Jackie. So, I mean, well, it's, it's very tragic, and I'm sure that the parents, the victims, are very frustrated at the fact that the federal government has not addressed this issue. They have not taken any action or even come up with a plan of action to go after these criminal organizations, to go after the cartels, to dismantle these chemical weapon labs that are mass-producing these counterfeit pills. Now we're seeing rainbow-colored pills that are coming across our borders, and the sole purpose behind that is to target young users, to drive addiction. It's, it's, it's deceptive marketing hmm. that the cartels are using. And the two main cartels that we're seeing 
that are mass producing and distributing fentanyl, of course, is the Sinaloa cartel and the, the Jalisco New Generation cartel, the two most powerful cartels in Mexico right now that are mass producing this lethal poison. And just to give you, just to tell you what we've done on the state side, uh, Jackie, as a state agency, because of Governor Abbott's Operation Lone Star, we have seized over 400 million lethal doses of fentanyl statewide in the state of Texas. So that goes to show you that this drug is not only coming across the ports of entry or being seized at the ports of entry, but it's making its way into the interior. And we're seeing these drugs into, you know, making its way into our cities, and it's killing Americans at an alarming rate. Right now, there's an average of at least 300 Americans that are dying every single day because of some type of fentanyl poisoning. Wow. So, Jackie DeAngelis, Fox Business Network, come back, comes back and says, yeah, it's amazing. The numbers are staggering when you think about how the FDA went after the vape companies and Juul, for example, because of the flavors and marketing to children. Yeah, this is completely acceptable. To come across the border, these pills that are essentially targeting kids, Lieutenant Olivares, you sent us this video of a human smuggling attempt in Laredo, Texas, a Texas DPS rescuing 26 illegal migrants who were being smuggled inside a tanker trailer. We saw pictures the other day of migrants in the back of a trunk. This is happening every single day. Please tell us more. It is, Jackie, and it all goes back to what the Border Patrol chief mentioned earlier. There's no consequences. That's why we're seeing not only an influx of families and children coming across our borders, but the criminal organizations in Mexico exploit and they use that. They use the fact that the government is not putting any consequences on these actions. So they exploit that. They use that to their advantage. And that's why we're seeing an increase in human smuggling cases. We saw what took place in San Antonio where 53 immigrants lost their lives because of a human smuggling event. Lucky enough for our men and women of Texas DPS, our troopers, our special agents, they were there at the right time and able to stop this potential human smuggling case that could have gone wrong, that we could have lost 26 more illegal immigrants, but we were able to arrest the driver and passenger, but this is a continued, a consistent uh, method of smuggling that we see throughout throughout the border, not just in commercial vehicles, but in and also in regular vehicles as well, yeah. in trunks and stash houses. There's an uptick in this, and the reason why, the reason why, Jack, is because there's no consequences, and the cartels and the criminal organizations are able to exploit that and use that to their advantage, and it's unacceptable. Indeed it is. You know, I've said it before. I think Biden is in cahoots with these people. I think Biden is in cahoots with these people. Now, I found a fascinating... found a fascinating uh, little tweet from Greta Van Susteren. And I'm going to send it to... uh, my buddy Mike Davis, who was a clerk for Justice Gorsuch, and he was also um, chief counsel for uh, U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee when Senator Grassley was the, uh, the chairman. So I'm sending it to my buddy Mike Davis saying, I thought you might want to have some fun with this. We I say he's my buddy. I interviewed him the other day. We kind of hit it off. So uh, (laughs) Greta Greta Van Susteren out there on Twitter. And she's got this screenshot. I don't know. It might be Wall Street Journal. 
Devlin Barrett and Carol D. Leoning. It says, a document describing a foreign government's military defenses, including its nuclear capabilities, was found by FBI agents who searched former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence and private club last month, according to people familiar with the matter, underscoring concerns among U.S. intelligence officials about classified material stashed in the Florida property. And Greta says no one should have these documents and no DOJ or FBI should be leaking. And so (laughs) I can't wait till Mike Davis jumps on this. So we're getting responses like this. So much of what gets reported from vague sources, in other words, people familiar with the situation, turns out to be false. Somebody else says, don't forget about Russia hoax and peeing on the bed, Greta. The benefit of the doubt is with Trump. The FBI and DOJ have persecuted innocents like Mike Flynn and others. Why do you believe this? Another one says, oh, please, that description is vague and meant to cause maximum panic with minimum information. Oh, another one. Do you believe the information in the leaks after all we went through with Russia collusion? Clearly. Clearly she does. Not as bright as we thought she was. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, I guess, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. I guess before we go any further, it's about time for me to say, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental U.S. All right, today's tweet of the day is actually a thread by a guy I've been following for many years on Twitter. He calls himself Party Man Randy. And he says, still thinking about These two unrelated facts. Number one, school shooters are always known to the FBI, unemployed, and have thousands of dollars worth of guns and ammo. Number two, in the Governor Whitmer kidnapping cases, the FBI gave their autistic patsies thousands of dollars and told them to buy guns and ammo. It's weird how my mind keeps connected those two facts, even though they are completely unrelated. Somebody responded, isn't that a strange coincidence? Party man Randy said, you might think so until you realize that they're completely unrelated. Yep, no connection here at all. You ever thought about it that way? I mean, have you actually ever thought about it that way? 
who was the last shooter that, that actually, a few weeks ago, they actually had him quoted as saying, goodbye, Mr. FBI agent. I'm trying to remember. Anyway, I thought I should share that one with you for some reason. Because, you know, obviously, totally uh, totally unrelated. Speaking of the border, uh, the Center for Immigration Studies came out with an article earlier this year. Biden administration lost, yes, lost nearly 20,000 migrant children. Kareem Jean-Pierre is not going to own up to that. Just thought I would mention it to you. Subtitle of the article. The alien minors released since the inauguration will be the 18th largest U.S. school district, costing local taxpayers more than $4.6 billion per year. Yep. Yep. So... You know, you might want to look at that at cis.org. All right, we've we got some real concerns about the VAX. You know, you ever heard of VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System? Because it's not going well for people. But Fauci... And that uh, Dr. Mark Siegel that comes on Fox News all the time, they pretend is a medical expert, even though he doesn't think there's any problem with the vax. Fauci is saying, well, I guess you're just going to have to keep on getting boosted all the time from here on out. Here he is. It is becoming increasingly clear that looking forward with the COVID-19 pandemic, in the absence of a dramatically different variant, we likely are moving towards a path with a vaccination cadence similar to that of the annual influenza vaccine with annual updated COVID-19 shots matched to the currently circulating strains for most of the population. Now, Christians aren't supposed to cuss people out. So, you know, you get angry at people and you're not supposed to cuss them out. So, I don't know, would it be okay if I just said, hey, 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 Tony. Dr. Fouch Fouch, why don't you take a long walk off a short pier, buddy? Would that be okay? Um, got a story out of Toledo, Ohio. Very troubling story about a uh, a teenager who can no longer play football due to blood clots in his leg. It started on August 1st. Um, his dad took him to the emergency room. That's his mom. He was having severe pain in his back and legs. I was a bit confused. I didn't know really what was happening. And he just told me that he was just wasn't feeling good. The night before Wasion's first team practice, junior King Climber unexpectedly had to be taken to Toledo Children's Hospital. His calves were actually swelled up four inches larger in circumference than they are now. So they, he was very uncomfortable. I just wanted to go home, honestly. I, I didn't really care what they did to me. I just wanted to go home. Full of 
pain and uncertainty, Clymer received word that he had blood clots in his legs. I was really sad. Uh, I was crying and I was upset because I played football my whole life and I, I just want to play with my friends. Six feet of blood clots were removed. This is not made up. This is the actual television news report from Toledo, Ohio. Six feet of blood clots removed from this kid's legs. High school kid. And because of the blood thinners, he now has to take his football career over. It was just getting ready to start practice. We were really looking forward to seeing him on Friday nights. Following nine days in the hospital, Clymer returned to the team, despite barely being able to walk. I'm really happy to be able to spend time with my friends, and uh, it means a lot to me to be able to be back on the field and have fun with them. Yeah, it was exciting to see him because we're football, so we see him like every day. So it was weird not seeing him, but it's good that he's back because we all like Clymer. He's our guy, so yeah, it's nice seeing him. A life-changing experience that has proven the toughness of this young man. I'm very strong and I'm, I'm uh, well-minded because it, it took a lot of effort to be able to stay in the hospital for nine days straight and eat the hospital food and, and go through all those procedures and it, it really sucked. Unfortunately, Clymer's path to recovery is far from over. Not only are doctors still trying to figure out exactly what happened to Caden. But- oh, wait a minute. The doctors are trying to figure out exactly what happened. Gee whiz, it's on the tip of my tongue. Golly. Trying to figure out exactly what happened. Well, bless those doctors' hearts. I wonder if maybe if they tell him and his mom and dad the reason, maybe they get fired from the hospital, lose their pension or something. I bet I know. I say, I bet I know. I bet this young man got the clot shot. Yeah. That's what they call the COVID vaccine these days, the clot shot, right? Yeah, I bet. I bet that's it. But the very young reporter, who doesn't sound much older than the the high school kid, I kind of doubt that he would have the guts to ask him. Or, I don't know, some reporters don't have much um, intellectual curiosity, so it's not a lack of guts. It's just it wouldn't occur to them. You know, they don't know. They don't know what they don't know, you know? Anyway, I yeah, well, I, I guess we can pick up where we left off. But regaining strength into his legs each day comes at a price. He gets shots every day in the stomach twice a day. You know, not something fun. I don't enjoy giving them to him. I know he doesn't like getting them, but done it, you know, like you said, with a smile. So we appreciate that, and we're just glad that he's, it could have been so much worse. Now there is good news to share. Climber has shown improvement each day and is expected to still play baseball, his favorite sport. Until then, his role remains simple. Continue progressing and inspire. Three, one, two, three. Yeah. Well, like his mom said, she's thankful because it could have been so much worse. Yeah, it could have been. Some of these uh, young men that uh, got vaccinated just dropped dead. Massive heart attack, 18, 19, 20 years old. Yep, could have been a lot worse. 
You're right about that, Mom. Speaking of which, the Epoch Times has the article, embalmers have been finding numerous long, fibrous clots that lack post-mortem characteristics. Several embalmers across the country have been observing many large and sometimes very long, fibrous and rubbery clots inside the corpses they treat and are speaking out about their findings. Numerous embalmers from different states confirmed to the Epoch Times that they have been seeing these strange clots starting from either 2020 or 2021. It's not yet known if the cause of the new clot phenomenon is COVID-19, vaccines, both, or something different. The Epoch Times received additional videos and photos of the anomalous clots but could not upload them due to the level of gore. Pretty gory. Mike Adams, who runs an ISO 17025 accredited lab in Texas, analyzed clots in August and found them to be lacking iron, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. Adams' lab uses inductively coupled plasma mass spectrometry. Triple, quadruple mass spectrometer and liquid chromatography mass spectrometry, usually testing food for metals, pesticides, and glyphosate. He told the Epoch Times, we have tested one of the clots from embalmer Richard Hirschman via ICPMS. That's the plasma mass spectrometry. Also tested side-by-side live human blood from an unvaccinated person. He found that the clots are lacking key elements present in healthy human blood, such as iron, potassium, and magnesium, suggesting that they are formed from something other than blood. Adams is joining analytic forces with more doctors and plans to invest out of their own pocket in equipment in order to further determine their composition and probable causation. The string-like structures differ in size, but the longest can be as long as a human leg, and the thickest can be as thick as a pinky finger. Okay, I'm getting kind of nauseous. I don't think I'm going to read the rest of that, but um, the epochtimes.com article entitled Embalmers have been finding numerous long fibrous clots that lack postmortem characteristics. Now, I have been promising to you that I would get to this... Uh, this just remarkable press conference that the sheriff of Polk County did about a recent prostitution sting. And it's about 14 and a half minutes long. I, I, I may jump in here, but it just went by so quickly because he is so colorful and so humorous. And because... The idea that the Polk County, Florida prostitution sting actually netted a cop from Georgia. I mean, it's kind of like going down a highway and seeing a wreck and everybody slows down to see what the deal was. 
And it's no disrespect to, to, to the people that were in the wreck, but you're just like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, what's that? So anyway, if we ever can get rid of the FBI and replace it with something else, some kind of national crime investigation agency, a guy like uh, Sheriff Grady Judd of Polk County should be in charge of it because you know that if this guy in his prostitution sting, if if for some reason Hunter Biden fell for it, they're not going to go, oh, okay, well, he's the president's son, let him go. Uh-uh, nope. They wouldn't even let a cop go. Nope. Now, this guy is about law enforcement and let the chips fall where they may. And this is just an amazing press conference. Here he is. Thank you, everyone, for being here with me today. I'm going to talk briefly and about an op that we're going to do a press conference on this next Friday morning. So y'all stay tuned for more news on Friday morning. But this obviously became big news in Cartersville, Georgia, at the police department, and the information quickly leaked out. And so now all the news media is asking for this information. So you're getting a early preview of what's going to be a very interesting release of information on a human trafficking operation. As you know, we seek out the victims of human trafficking. And in order to do that, you do prostitution stings. Well, when you do these operations, as this one was hugely successful, we'll talk about Friday, you arrest Johns who are seeking out prostitutes as well. Well, let me introduce you to what I consider a high-profile arrest. This is Deputy Chief Jason DePrima of the Cartersville Police Department. As I understand it, after talking to his chief, he's been there almost 30 years, graduate of the FBI Academy, well-respected police officer in town. Did you notice I said in town? But he was out of town. That's right, he was at an American Polygraph Association meeting in Orlando, Florida, let me, let me say this clearly. I don't want you to miss it. Driving an unmarked vehicle that was normally assigned to the DEA task force, meaning their officer assigned to the task force would have driven this vehicle. But apparently his vehicle was not so good to make the trip, so he's in one of the undercover vehicles. When he shows up, at our undercover operation in the government vehicle. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, wait. It gets better. Or worse, depending upon where you're sitting. Carrying alcoholic beverages. Apparently some Bud Light for himself and White Claw for our undercover operative. That's right. He bought a case of White Claw because she said she would like it. So ostensibly, this guy has come to have sex with a prostitute while driving the Cartersville Police Department undercover vehicle. And he was in possession of alcohol, which, of course, had we not intervened, he was going to drink that, engage in sexual conduct, 
and ultimately get in his government vehicle and drive back to his hotel. But newsflash, this is Jason DePrima, 49 years of age, his picture at the Polk County Jail. That's right, and let me tell you the story as he relates it to us. He is texting with, guess what, our undercover detective. He started this conversation with her on Wednesday night where he was going to show up, but he became spooked. He didn't say why, but on Thursday night, he just couldn't resist the urge to be with our undercover detective who he thought was a high-class prostitute. So he once again began to communicate. He asked how much the price is. She said $80 or a full half hour, $120. He said, I'm in. So he comes to the house. Ultimately, he's arrested. But the conversation is very interesting. He told her before the takedown occurred that the night before he had engaged with another prostitute online for $200. And that prostitute said, hey, go get a cash app card. You know, you can buy them at the convenience stores. And he did for $200. And then she said, I want you to take a photograph of it so I know you've got the money. Duh. He took a photograph and sent it to the alleged prostitute on Wednesday night, according to him. You're not going to believe this. You can't even believe this. Now, this guy's a cop, and he was flim-flammed and conned by a prostitute. Oh, man. But wait. It's better. Or worse, depending where you're sitting. That's right. She took the information off of the card, got the $200, and left him high and dry. He was ripped off in a confidence scam with a prostitute or who was alleged to be a prostitute. So that was on Wednesday. Then he talks. He's, he's not giving up. Then he talks, and Thursday night at just before midnight... He shows up. He shows up with his white claw. And it's like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? What is going on? You're a deputy chief, a high-ranking official in a very respected police department. And you're showing up with white claw and two Bud Lights. And we're not sure whether he can do math or not. Okay, because the deal is for 120 for a half hour, a full half hour. He shows up with 180. He shows up with 180 and says, I can send you the rest of it on a cash app. But I had to stop to buy the white claw. So for some reason, I don't know if he's planning on extra time. He can't add. He wants to leave a tip. He wants to impress this person. But listen to his text. He's real suspicious. I guess you would be after you got ripped off the night before. Listen to his text. 
If you're legit as you seem, we will have fun. If not, I'm riding around with a case of White Claw feeling girly. Well, he got to feel arresty when we put him in jail. So- <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. But wait, there's more. So we put him in jail late on Thursday night under a $500 bond. He didn't get out of jail until Saturday morning at 4 o'clock. So he got to spend, you know, almost two complete nights in the county jail. So now he's gone from deputy police chief. As I understand, he's suspended pending their disciplinary actions. And he's facing criminal charges here in Polk County. He was deputy police chief back home in Georgia. In law enforcement for almost 30 years. So, if all else fails, he can write a book. How to run your career in three easy steps. Start out by going to Florida to a polygraph association school. Then lie to the detectives when they investigate and ask you questions. Oh, he made admissions. But it's like, I wanted to ask him, since he's a polygrapher and was at polygraph school, would you like to take a polygraph with those answers you gave us? How would that work for you? And according to all the information we received, he's got a beautiful wife and a great family. And you you just want to go, come on, man. Oh, um, I figured 49 years old, he might be married with kids. Oh, boy. Have you lost the last three brain cells? Or do you just have cabbage for brains? Why would you do that? Anyway, he's charged. He's managed, obviously, to create a great deal of angst with his family. His police chief is angry beyond words, which I certainly clearly understand. He's embarrassed the city. He's been a police officer there for a long time. And now he's facing criminal charges in Florida. Are there any questions? What what he said when he was arrested? What he said was he came there to hang out and watch football. Well, that was a partial admission. He admitted sending the text that we received as part of the evidence. But, you know, you have to look at things to say, one, is it legal? Is it moral? Is it ethical? And does it pass the smell test? He lost on all four points. It's neither legal, ethical, moral, or passes the smell test. And I think what he should have done was say, hey, if I had to ask my chief or my wife, is it okay to go hang out with a girl over 20 miles away and watch football while I drink beer and she drinks White Claw? Is that okay? Oh, man. Good grief. This guy could do stand-up. He really could. Sheriff Grady Judd, uh, Polk County, Florida. Here's more. I think he would have gotten his answer. 
you would have thought as a high-ranking police officer, well-respected, he would have known better. But he didn't. And now he's got lots of issues. Home issues, work issues, criminal issues. What he's got going here is a situation. And he's in the middle of it. Any other questions? Well, it disappoints me for the industry. We all know better. Now, you've heard me stand right here before, behind this podium before about some of our folks who periodically, we've got over a 1,000 deputies. Occasionally, one of them does something inappropriate, and when they do, I we arrest them. My detectives, who are simply the very best, arrest them, and I stand up here and I, I walk all over them about their criminal conduct and other police agencies, but it embarrasses me for our industry anytime you see this because the people have a right to and expect better of us. He embarrassed our entire industry with his arrest. But you know what? Here's one thing you can count on. Write this down in your little book. You come here, you violate the law, we're going to put you in jail. We don't care who you are because you become a criminal defendant and a criminal violator of the law, we're going to arrest you. See, that's what I said. This guy should be in charge of the FBI or whatever takes his place. This this guy wouldn't say, oh, we can't do anything with Hunter Biden. He's Joe's something. No, no. That's just the way it is. But had he behaved, had he stayed at his polygraph association meeting, he'd been fine. But he worked all week. And so right now, think about it. He lost $200 to the, to the prostitute that ripped him off in a flim-flam, in a scam that he should have known, but he should have known better on a lot of levels. Then he brought 200 more that we got, $400. Then he got misdemeanor charges. I, I mean, I mean, this is just insane. The whole thing is insane. Sheriff, you guys have done multiple operations where you yeah, trying to get Johns or trying to get underage women to situations like this. Uh, just your overall thoughts on where we are as a country as far as these kind of these becoming more more recurring as the days go on. Well, it's interesting that the overwhelming majority of the people that we've arrested in this operation aren't for Polk County. The majority of the people in Polk County have figured it out. I mean, after all, you have to live under a rock if you haven't seen some of our operations. I don't keep it a secret. A word to the wise suffices. I don't want people to violate the law. I don't want people to commit morals crimes that creates and supports an industry of human traffickers. I don't want to create an environment where predators seek young girls. So my detectives, I'm telling you, are simply the very best. And in this operation, which I'll talk about on Friday, we were joined by a lot of professional police officers from other police agencies that helped us. Because we're, we have a safe community. We have a community that looks out for the best interest of our children. We have a community that looks out for the victims of human trafficking. And we have identified some already because we have counselors that come to our human trafficking ops. But you know what? This guy's adding to the problem. 
And when you come here and add to the problem, you end up in a jail uniform like this. He knows better. He knew better. But you've got to not only hold the community to the standards of the law, you've got to behave and follow the law too, and he didn't. And he's got to pay the consequences for it. But the reality of it is, is let the word go forth. If you think you're going to attack children or create an environment for human trafficking, not in this county. Not now, not ever. Wow. That's strong, brother. That's strong. And I'll tell you what, I I can't add anything to that. That is uh, Sheriff Grady Judd, Polk County, Florida. That's amazing. Hey, you've been listening to episode 233 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the 10th. And that's the way it is, Wednesday, September 7th, 2022.